Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Flight 008-049-BHM. You're listening to the Out of Home Podcast. You're listening to the Out of Home Podcast. Are you locked into the Out of Home Podcast? You're listening to the Out of Home Podcast. Featuring Kieran, Kwame, Yaf and Stephen. You London boys are crazy. Welcome to Forever Forwards. Throughout the month of October, which is Black History Month in the UK and Black Achievement Month here in the Netherlands, we'll be sharing conversations that we've had with a few dope guests, tapping into their experiences of living, working and thriving as a black person in society. For us, we really wanted to use these conversations to celebrate the progressive mindset of the black community and champion some of those people who are trailblazing in their specific fields. Today, we speak to our first Dutch guest of the series, a creative and entrepreneur whose agency, Very Rare, has been helping brands connect authentically with culture for the last seven years. Born in Amsterdam, but from Ghana, it's none other than Clay Jimia. And we hope you guys enjoy this one. Peace. That's it. Okay. Do right. you think? Oh, Rampy, you ready? Yeah? off the jumper and that, yeah. He's ready and that. He's ready and that. <laughs> Stretching. He's uh, sweaty. Let's get arms. We get arms. Spaghetti. Farming on his sweater already. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. Put the hands. Two serious things. All right. Let's get into the intro. Okay. It's your boy Suave Always, aka Sorcerer, the drip connoisseur, plantain pampy. Enough about me. You're listening to the Outpouring Podcast, a show brought to you by four Londoners living in Amsterdam, sharing inspiring stories of their own and of others. And I'm joined today by the Out of Homies. And to the left of me on the screen is one of the most talented people I know, Beast by K, aka Kieran Kenlock. Oh, go on, oh, go on. Cheese. Next to him, the provocateur, the Trini boy with the Trini trim. Yafri Downs. <laughs> and then somewhere below me, only through Zoom, Pause. is my West African brother, Papi Chulo. Got the yams, quams. Kwame Wilson. Got the yams, quams. I love it. <laughs> uh, this is our poem. And we are, I won't give away our guests yet, but like this month of October, we are telling inspiring stories for the black community surrounded by Black History Month. We're taking a look at the future of black culture, where we want to go and where we've been for a series called Forever Forwards. And it is my pleasure today to introduce one of the guys that I met when I first came over here, who's always been repping the culture from day one, uh, doing serious things, owns his own company, making his own shots. And that's a man like Clay Jimia from Very Rare Agency. Clay, what up? Thanks for having me, man. Now you're welcome. Thank you bro. for coming, bro. Yeah, Stephen, that was an excellent play. intro still. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, it's very special, man. Only the sorcerer can do that. Oh, <laughs> wow. Wow. After 50 the, the... odd episodes, only the sorcerer <laughs> can do the intro. Jesus. Is this the 50th? <laughs> no, no, this is no, the 50th. Is this no, the 50th? No, 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 this no, no, this is... Ah, shit, I thought I heard a bastard. It's 49, it's 49, 49. I love the intro, Stephen, I love the intro. Yeah, I love it, man, I love it, I love it. Uh, bless, but like, um, yeah, Clay, no, we, 
like you know, Forever Forwards is all about just looking at the culture. Uh, we've spoken to some dope guests, both creatives, uh, just professionals in general, and they've kind of talked to us about their story, um, kind of alluded to what they want to see from the community in the future. And then, like, I just wanted to pass the mic to you to actually just tell us about how it all started, how you came over to the Netherlands, and like how you ended up um, setting up Very Rare, and just talk to us about what Very Rare is as well. Yeah, of course, man. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm Clay. I do uh, art direction, and I'm a cultural storyteller. Um, and uh, I own a Amsterdam-based agency called Ferry Rare. Um, I think how it started. I think it started about uh, 2013, I guess, when um, I was always into film and photography. But um, I always saw like uh, I was doing small projects. And I was working uh, on projects, uh, internal projects for Nike at the time. Um, and I always saw like bigger agencies flying in from from London to do, uh, uh, yeah, so-called bigger projects. Um, and I thought like, hey, I could achieve that myself with local people. And um, by that time, there was not really a market for it. So there weren't, I was doing just internal videos for Nike, but they were not really, um, uh, Nike weren't making local content. Uh, at that point, uh, it was basically a translation from global. Um, so I was doing, uh, I was doing, uh, at some point I was doing like a line produ- production for, for agencies from LA. And slowly I started to get like my own, uh, uh, online projects basically. So doing the, the front page. Um, and I think that turning point came when, um, when we were building, uh, the Jersey culture campaign. I think that's uh, the early start of uh, of, uh, of yeah the online and the digital um, content that you, that we know now these days. So yeah, that's that's a bit the start of very rare. Yo, Clay, um, you talk, you said one thing there. So you said, how does it? Could you just describe that time a little bit more? Because you're mentioning that. So how companies were working in general was that there'd be like a brief from like America or global team, and it would just like almost like a cut and paste. And no matter where you were in the world, you'd see the same thing. Um, what was it? What was that time like in terms of content? Because obviously we've undergone like a rapid change, but like the many people won't even remember that time. So can you just like touch on what it was like? Exactly. I uh, f- personally, I always felt like that content never resonated with me because, um, like, you can obviously see at that time that like all these models and everything around um, uh, the content that was produced uh, globally was very American. To be honest, you know, like mm-hmm. look, always look happy and perfect, and and yeah. sportswear was always in like an action figure type of shoot. So it was yeah. always overproduced and 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 almost uh, far from um, from what's reality, basically. And so I wanted to change that with Fairy Red by making a, a content um, about people, what like the people that I see around around me, and that really reflects to society. So that's basically what what um what I'm about with Fairy Red. And um, uh, yeah, I think I really found it's important for me to. Uh, um, or for a brand to feel advertisements of people made by people that are actually would wear that would actually wear the same product, you know, mm. like mm. and that's that's it for me. Like I really, if I don't feel it, I don't feel it, you know. But like I really love to get into the core identity of of the product and everything, and 
and that's that's where you build the story as well and and, and really see like who fits for this project because it's not a copy and pasting anymore it's not a I think you as a brand you cannot go uh you know you're not coming yeah you cannot survive doing keep doing yeah. that at this uh time frame okay so sorry what's up man um obviously you started very rare as an agency to connect with culture and as an independent um or something that is yours you own very rare how what was the what were the difficulties that you faced like setting up um the agency um, by yourself and and what have you learned so far along the line because you've been what was it seven seven years now yeah I think I'm seven, yeah. I'm in seven years definitely okay, like what was it like in the beginning stages of of setting up very rare and what did you learn from that I think I was really waiting my turn and I was not really I didn't I didn't the space was not really clear like where's my my what can I do like I really I always knew that what I wanted to do I always wanted to tell stories I always wanted to um uh, represent uh black culture and like uh like be bi- biracial um cultures that i see around me all the time that's that's always the plan but there was not really um not, not everyone was up for it even the brands that i work for now like at that time frame there was like there was not even a market for it you know so um i think those difficulties difficulties uh um while setting up, I think insecurities is something that definitely, you know, you see like bigger agencies. I was really looking up to to the bigger, bigger agencies, you know, to the Widener Kennedys at that time, uh, the AKQAs and, mm-hmm. you know, RGAs uh, of today. And like, I really looked up to them and thought like, okay, you know, like that's that's where I want to end up one day. But at some point with February, I thought like, hey, like I realized that, hey, like I'm in a better position. Um because um because like not only uh, budget wise for the for the brands but also like they are too big basically to yeah. to reach out to the culture you know and um i'm happy to be on board on projects where i still talk to uh talk to people we work we work with you know like still talk to the talents like mm. for one thing with very rare like we never really work with actual models signed at agencies you know like mm. we always work yeah. with talents you know like the that kid on the on the block from uh from marseille that does um uh something special or like a girl that 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 now is like a um uh an off-white model or that that one rapper that used to have like one his, his late his first track out that's blo- that's big now like so that's that's a bit of the trace and like i really um clay we need to we need to like go through that and give the context. So, like, I think <clears throat> when I started working for the company that I worked for, I think it was uh, maybe three, four years ago. So, I worked with uh, Clay on a campaign, and it's like it was just so it's so different. Like from the start, I could just tell it was different from what we uh, normally do. So, like for example, like normally we try and have like the talent patterned early. Like it's normally kind of someone with like I don't want to say reputable, but someone that's a bit of a track history or has kind of done this. I think it was like maybe like two weeks uh, before the shoot and like we didn't actually have anyone like signed off but I think like Clay then went to Marseille and then like just immersed himself in the culture very quick very quickly hit people up in their DMs and that and then just got a feel for the talent and then like the talent that we ended up working with then he's referring to like one of one of the one of the young women she ended up having a off-white deal like just this year um, the 
yeah, the other guy, the rapper, he's now producing uh, music internationally now. Um, and then I think um, the one of the other guys also like now his modeling career has gone up. So I think just being able to like go, like you've never been to Marseille. You ain't got family in Marseille. Right? You just rocked <laughs> up. So like, That's do, you want, crazy. do you want to... Do you want to talk through, through without getting to the specifics, just like, okay, cool, you touched down in Marseille. What were you looking for? Yeah, I think I think I always love to to get like local, locally to places, like eat the local food, get the gist of how does this work, you know, like, like you know, like, I like obviously, like what's scarier than London, you know, <laughs> to be honest, like <laughs> if, you, if you can survive London, then well, you, can, you can go anywhere in the world and, Facts. And immerse yourself within cultures. That's that's how I think, you know. And uh, uh, and that's also like maybe it's a black thing, or I just don't know how, what type of thing it is. But um, yeah, I was never. I'm never scared of going to pra- places or like the the greedy places or whatever. Like I always love. Mm. That's that's the that's the first spot I check or like the first um, uh, sneaker spot or you know like what's their local sne- uh, sneaker store, you know and culture is always close to that to that basically you know like if i'm talking about street culture mm. um and that's how i like i went there and we did some street casting at that time and i really found out at that point we uh, at that stage we had uh we received uh, some insights some consumer insights and that's when you really see that there's a difference between consumer insights that's been done by uh by uh, by uh, by some agency from the desk and like the actual stuff yeah. you experience uh, on the on site basically you know so speak on it yeah talk about yeah. the difference talk about the difference Claire. so true yeah man. like it's it's okay like i'm not going to name uh, name brands or something but like i've been to offices where i saw like people in suits and then just wearing sneakers like you know like the sneakers <laughs> that they sell like like i don't know some stuff doesn't really uh, make sense sit, to me sit right yeah you know and um and Definitely, if if those are the uh, shot colors in in, in mm. certain brands, and they don't really know what's really going on, so like it's all based on numbers and stuff. And I get mm. a lot of stuff is important, but I think it's um, it's it's good to uh, to move to a to a to a model where you actually have people, your consumers speak for themselves. You know, like I always mm. believe that. People don't want to hear from brands. People want to hear from people. people you know, 100%. and and, and um, that's that's what we what we did uh, at that time in Marseille. That these profiles weren't that big. They they didn't have like more than two k followers or like some or less. Like they they had like way less followers. You know, so mm. but they, those are real people in, in in their society in their community that we could that we uplifted it basically and. Um, yeah, I'm really happy to be on those type of projects, and um, that's way I think that's really important. Yeah, I think it. Um, on, yeah. No, I was gonna say I think it just like shows that the decision that you made in 2013 to um, get into this sort of field or industry was the right one because you saw that you could operate in a different way. Like, if you think about what you do, you operate in a very niche space. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not many. There's not many people from the ends, like especially now that I can think of that say, when I grow up, I want to have my own creative agency, you know, like, so I'm just interested because it looks as though, and obviously knowing you and seeing how you operate, the minute you get into something, you already recognize the opportunities and know what to do. But 
my question is more, did you, did you kind of fall into this, like having your own agency or was it something you always aspired to have or do? Yeah. So I was always interested in commercials and I always find it funny how they were uh, being made, but I never knew what that specific role would be, you know, like mm. director or whatever, or like how the structure of an actual agency was. Mm. So I kind of rolled into it by just doing and, um, and yeah, at some point, that's why it's always hard to like title yourself a function. Like, what do you do? Like it, it, in the beginning stage, you're doing everything and what you can, and you always find the, the right people around you, um, that can jump, uh, jump on board. Um, and I'm, yeah, I always found, have found myself in a, in a space where I saw talents that were not actually doing what, uh, that, that specific role, but they were capable of it, you know, so from models, but also photographers that are now signed that 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 were in the come up, you know, like but mm-hmm. self-taught and all those type of stuff. So like I think uh Fairy Rare has been a big platform for for, for myself, but also for people uh, around me. Um so yeah, I'm really happy uh mm. how that uh, came by. Mm. Even that's like a skill in itself though, isn't it? Because I'm guessing, like, based on what you just said, like, you said that you recognize skills within other people, even if they weren't actually doing it at the time. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like you having the, the the scope and the foresight to see, like, all right, I know this girl, like, she's really dope at this. This guy's really dope at this. Like, mm-hmm. let me bring this together. And then together we can sort of, like, achieve this one vision. Is that sort of how you operated once the kickoff of Very Rare happened? Was it like, let me let me gather as much creative talent as I know, and then we're going to kind of fit everyone in? Yeah, definitely. And at that at that stage, to be honest, like um, in the Netherlands, people were not really familiar with the name agency at all. Mm. So, um, like agency, like what is an agency? Like some people still see it as a model agency, but it's a creative <laughs> agency, you know. Like, and and that in within the UK, that's way more a logical like state. So, um, I also see like in terms of. Um, the people that know us or the talents that do want to work with us are like often they're like, like they're always abroad, you know? So, um, okay. So yeah, like I think, I think, um, and indeed it's a, it's a skill of itself, you know, but I think that's, that has to do with, um, um, you know, trusting people want to give other people a chance. Uh, doesn't always work out well, but I think that's, just something what I'm about, you know, like I, mm. like I once had a chance to do this and especially, um, um, yeah, I worked with, uh, Steven on a couple of stuff. Like I know that at that stage, like, um, company, the company may, might not be at the same, same vision yet, but we had to do it basically by show them showing. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You know, it's, it's, and, it's... and that's, that's challenging as well. Mm. So, yeah. I was going to say, it's mad interesting to like, just hear you speak on Very Rare and like, and knowing that you had the foresight to put that together or even the belief in yourself at 2013, um, especially working in those areas and those in that industry where you see, you see people in the ad world trying to speak to people like us and there isn't, sometimes they get it right, sometimes they get it wrong. And that's probably because of the, a misrepresentation of the people inside of those buildings. But you've definitely, you've definitely managed, as Jeff said, you've managed to carve out your niche from a very early stage. But when did you start to see like the shift change? Because obviously things weren't happening 
instantly. But like, obviously, with everything that's happening in the world, there's more people looking into black culture and black businesses. But when did you actually see the change for you and very rare when brands were like, yo, we really need to tap into this sort of thing? Um, I think especially um, um, when brands see what we do, they they often have the... Sometimes they have... There are brands who are a bit more afraid or cautious or think that, hey, like this costs a lot of budget or uh, we don't know how to reach them. Like they don't really see how that would potentially happen. And I think the, this, the, this, the whole shift, I think it has to do with, it's not only cultural, but it's also like um, business-wise that a lot of stuff is changing. Like, mm. um, like smaller agencies are taking over. Um, yeah, I think it has to do definitely also with costs, but also like you're, you're a bit closer to your, uh, to actually, uh, to your actual target consumer. Mm. Um, and culture wise, I think that, yeah, I, I, I think it's in the numbers that like, um, yeah, culture, like cultural, like black people consume way more, uh, and appreciate way more products than maybe other cultures, if I may say that, you know, like in my opinion, that's like totally my opinion, but you definitely see that with the, yeah, Jordan is definitely the, you don't even have to uh, go too deep into that. That's, that's, that's super clear. I think that's definitely like a, a genuine insight, but it, you said something earlier that I just wanted to, because I think the unique thing for you, uh, which is really interesting is that you get to work with uh, different companies and different organizations. And I think like this year, we've obviously seen a lot of talk about representation. So like uh, you probably see it because you probably work with companies where there is a good representation and where there's a not so good representation. Like what's been your observations and is there really a difference or does it not really impact, in your opinion? There's a difference. I see now companies trying to run and trying to find their first, like just trying to grab the, fir- the first and only black person they know. Like, hey, you know, like, hey, <laughs> what have you been up to all this time? You know, like, <laughs> but I'm not really uh, uh, sensitive for that. Like, and I'm, I'm really uh, like, I, w- I also never had to use the word inclusion or diversity, mm-hmm. whatever, because I just... I just do it basically, you know, like, and that's, for me, that's, that's super normal. And um, I think there are a lot of brands or organizations struggling and there's a lot of output where you think like, Hmm, it's even more cringeworthy, you know, but <laughs> still like there needs to be a start somewhere. And I've seen beautiful stuff uh, uh, coming out, but it's just a question. Like, is it genuine? Like what's, what's behind it? Is it, are they trying to make the boat? Um, what's up you know like that's mm. that's really important like it, 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 this is this is not a hype it's just like it's just like um um i don't know and it can get tired you know it's just like brands uh if, if, if you take if you leave a uh, black culture side or you take pride for example like there are brands that like jump on the pride wagon you know like uh like make their adver- advertisements really specific to the yeah. to the target and i love it you know like i love representation for every everyone but like there's always, always a question like okay hmm, you were never here you know like so mm. what what are you trying to do do you want to get this pride money or like you know like <laughs> <laughs> what's what's about <laughs> this pride money. yeah so like <laughs> so like that's the same thing you know like 
that's the same thing. I think everyone is really cautious about, okay, cool. Um, I feel, uh, I might not feel represented, but is this genuine if you, if you all of a sudden out of the blue coming to represent my culture? So, that's yeah. Sick. And Clay, like you, you're now working with some of the biggest brands in the world. Like, let's not even stunt. Let's talk that talk. Working with some of the biggest brands in the world. But obviously, you kind of started when you said back in 2013, right? Like, do you remember, like, has, has it always gone smoothly for you? Or do you, did you have any early obstacles? Um, like, how was it when you just started out? Because I feel like in this present moment, in this day and age, that's the biggest hurdle for people. It's like, if I start this, how's it going to work? And that puts a lot of people off from, you know, starting their own thing and pursuing their, their careers and their dreams. But like, do you recall those sort of early days and, and how were they for you, man? Yeah, there, there, there are always obstacles, but um, I think there was a balance between like just doing it and I think there's a lot of insecurities of looking at like bigger agencies that like okay. do bigger stuff, which I thought like, okay, you know, like I'm keep getting, I'm keep uh, reaching. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The ceiling by just doing specific uh, projects, you know, like trying to find found out my own breakthrough. And sometimes it sometimes uh, it just comes, you know. Sometimes you just do something totally different, and then you're trying to stick on to that, hold on to that, and then you know you you hit in in the next uh, level of um, of um, of content, you know, or like mm. you know, like uh, specific types of projects. So like yeah. I'm in that same phase right now where where um that's also happening uh this moment where where I'm gonna do like way different projects than I did before in terms of like bigger, you know, that normally would land by the agencies that I like always looked up to, you know. So amazing. That's that's also happening at the moment. So like it's it all has to do with patience, you know. Like I think for everyone who starts, like everyone sees obviously things going uh, happening on Instagram and that's a big distraction as well and trying to compare yourself with other people but I just try to figure I just trying to f- uh, find for myself a way not to feel FOMO not to really trying to compare but stick to my own uh, to my own core and I think that the, the change made I made the change for myself when um, when I found that core you know like what is my philosophy what what, what am I I'm about and um um, yeah, that just uh, difference between like, you know, like for me, that's like cultural storytelling. That's my thing. So mm. I'm okay with other people doing other things, you know? Yeah. It's interesting what you say, because 
I think back to this is a really different example, but someone like Kevin Hart, like mm-hmm. obviously stand up comedian, but then start getting into acting. And he was only getting specific types of roles. They was only giving yeah. him like the funny guy role, innit? Mm, yeah. Like, did you find, if I hear you correctly, are you saying that you found that you was only getting certain types of work because of the nature of your agency? Um, I think underestimate being underestimated is is a thing that that happened a lot in the in the early yeah. stages. You know, like okay, you know, like they they're probably capable of just doing this um, until like another agency from LA that signs on a project to do uh, the project production in the, in Europe. Uh, then we are executing that basically. And then it just shows what you're actually capable of. So that's always, it's always a mix, you know, like it's always um, uh, trying to find ways to, uh, to prove yourself, but, and, and definitely there are times that you're also tired of proving yourself as well. You know, like, um, I just know what I'm capable of, and um, it's um, at some point it's like I rather work with uh, with brands who actually f- know and understand. Like, okay, this is what I'm getting out of it. If I work with a very rare agency, instead of mm-hmm. me trying to prove and trying to over-explain what culture is about and why you should actually work with culture, and they might have to think about it. Okay, yeah, then it's just not my type of project at all. Clay, that's a very important point you touched on. It's like the the importance of saying no sometimes. So like I had two two things and then I'm kind of like done for my part. But like it's just like, could you just talk about how important it is to stay say no from time to time and like your struggles in actually turning things down and your experiences? Because you had like some good experiences where you said yes and you wish you would have said no. And then like the other one I wanted to follow up with is just like, um, it's Black History Month and you've seen all types of culture. Black culture is something to be joyous about. So I just wanted to talk about like, what do you like about our culture after, after that one? Yeah. Um, it's hard to say no sometimes. Definitely. Um, definitely when you're in situations where you figure, okay, cool. Like this could be, uh, you love creating, like I love creating definitely. So, um, that's, that's always a struggle with yourself. Uh, like, okay, should I just do this? Because, I know I want to make beautiful stuff or um, should I turn this down because it's just not my project basically. So um, that's a hard part. And like, I think it's easier now, now that I finally really, really, really understood my core basically. Like it's, mm. it's really interesting. It's really easy to, uh, to start something and do your mission and vision type of thing, you know, like the, the usual thing. Yeah. But after years trying to find out like, okay, this is what I'm actually been doing. That's just one thing that I've always been doing. And that's basically my DNA now. And since I realized that, I just know that, okay, there are things that I, I say no to. Like there, there recently been a project where that I, that I did for a, for a museum that didn't start straight away. You know, like I had to, I had a lot of questions to ask, you know, and, I, and they did their due diligence before um, we can actually, um, before we could have worked, basically, you know, like mm. I, I really had some, um, I really had some, uh, some questions for them to, uh, to fix internally before I'm just going to try to make their organization look like, hey, like, hey, we're all about cultures and stuff, you know, like, wow, you know, like, that's incredible, that's, bro. 
that's really important, you know, because like at the end of the day, it's also, um, it also, it always needs to be something that I'm also proud of, you know, and mm. um, yeah. I but what I think is uh, dope though, is like you're saying, you're basically pre in the game and you're like, okay, these guys are trying to work with me because they know what sort of cultural cachet is going to provide. Like, okay, mm-hmm. fair enough. If they want to do that, then they need to do this. Like, I think it's sick that you're kind of using your position to also influence internal structures. That's fucking wavy, bro. Of course, because like it's easy to it's easy for um one thing what's super weird with the internet, you see people working on stuff or you see nice images of projects, but like what what did people actually do for it? Uh like what 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 were they role? That's uh that's a tricky thing. And brands can easily easily come to very rare and look at all other projects and see like, hey, you know, okay, cool. This is cultural and they get where we're standing for, but it's not a copy and paste thing. You know, the form, it's not a formula. It's yeah. really cut to character. It's really personal. And um, that's it. Like I really had to do that check because that, that project basically came after, you know, like Black Lives Matter in that time frame, basically, you know, like, so like, you know, I just have to double check, like, okay, what, what are you guys really about? Um, and that organization was already involved with cultures, but they didn't really know how to handle them or do, what to do with them, you know, how to give them a proper voice. So um, I came for another thing and I ended up giving the, the people an actual voice. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's cool. And um, I'm, I'm really proud of what we did. And it, it just, it just continues now. Like, you know, like I'm still involved with the museum talking about that project. On, uh, on panel talks or all, all those type of stuff, I've been articles about that project. It's just it's just a longer journey, and I love to uh, to work with organizations where you can actually build, and not that it's just a, a one off basically. So yeah, that's uh, that's cool. And uh, in terms of the second question, uh, Stephen, what was the question again? Yeah, it's just like you've you've worked with a lot of um, different cultures. I've seen kind of like the work you did with like um, on Moroccan culture as well. It's just like um, this is a celebration of like Black history or cultural history. Like, just tell us some of the stories. Like, what do you love about our culture? What are the things that you've seen that are just like I just love the way we do stuff. Like, um, I just I just love uh, culture wise. I just love that you can enter. I can I can enter any any of you guys' house when your moms are there and like respect the same values or, yeah. or, or, Facts. or feel the same way. Or like, <laughs> even if, if, if Yaf would talk back or something that I would like, you know, like, <laughs> I can, I can, I can feel the people. You know? Black is a universal and language. I know, man. Like, I know that's, that's what I love about the Trust culture. It. And, um, you know, it's funny. I was, I was with, um, um, with, a. With a director, I was—I think I was in London with a with a director. And he's a, a Japanese, um, and we were just walking and like, like he saw other Asians, but they they don't really greet each other. They don't really nod the, their the head. Nod. The nod. Like, they nod. don't do the nod. They don't do that, you know. Like, and I was like, how is that, you know? Like, and, <laughs> and like, you know, like, and and I'm lo- I'm walking in London and. I see, I see a guy on the street, uh, you know, building like a construction worker, and like, like, yo, you right, boss, and you, you know, like yeah. that little thing. Like, that's, <laughs> that's us, basically. You know, like we we acknowledge each other, and and that's what I love, and ex- especially uh, uh, the changes that I've seen 
um, the over the last year, especially, um, um, uh, I don't even have to mention Black Lives Matter, but it's, like the thing is, like we see each other more. I think we unite more and we acknowledge each other way more, um, and that's 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 a that's a beautiful feeling, man. I think I think uh, it's nice to finally feel that. Oh, whoa! Actually, you guys all feel, all we all share the same pain or. I wasn't really uh, um, exaggerating, you know. Mm. I think that's really, uh, I think that's really special and important, you know, because um, obviously there there been plenty moments where you experience stuff business wise or personal wise or in your, in your in your private life where you you just don't want to be the elephant in the room. You just want to be quiet and be invisible, and um, yeah. I think it's the time has come to not be invisible anymore, you know? Facts. I got a question, Clay. Like, obviously, you're someone who spent a lot of time in London as well, right? Mm. Um, Like, for for me, especially, and I know the guys feel a similar way, like, when we came to Amsterdam, it it felt as though the culturally, like, let me just say the scene, quote-unquote, is is a lot smaller here, but everyone's a lot more um, welcoming of each other. And it feels as though the community here, the black community here um, works together a lot more to achieve the same thing. Um, that's just my perception. But how do you see sort of, um, yeah, like those communities and the difference between London and Amsterdam? Um, yeah, that, that's, that's definitely a difference between London and Amsterdam. I think that, um, I think in Amsterdam there's like, you, you see what you can you see what you get. You can you know what what you what your role is. You know what you who you can contact. There's not many layers of people to contact to achieve what you want to achieve. You know, like you can go yeah. straight to that person. You know, like if if I would see any any one of you guys and I heard your pod or whatever, I just I just walk straight to you and like say like, <laughs> yo, like I rate this and whatever. We we would end up in a talk basically and maybe work together, but. Um, in London, it's a bit different. I think. I think for Londoners, you know, like I just like I'm a guy. Like I walk to anyone, you know. So that's how I know. Like a lot of people in London, where um, Londoners won't really do that yeah. same thing to other Londoners. It might be more secluded, or like if you see your favorite artist, or like you know, like just leave him be. Like I'm like, yo, just go go to him and give you give you a fucking mixtape like what, what why so like why so um why why being Stush. difficult you know yeah exactly you know that's yeah, the right yeah, word, yeah. word so i think that's that's a bit of the cultural differences and i, I don't know really why i think londoners really love to wait in line at miranda <laughs> i i just don't know just don't like I'm that <laughs> yeah i don't know man like no. it's, it's, it's a bit more um Everyone wants to leave each other more in their own values, and um, I think in in Amsterdam, definitely, if you if you guys come from London to Amsterdam, you you're like, okay, whoa, that's it's like a, it's like everything is up for grabs, basically. That's how I would feel. I think you know, I don't know how you experience it, and obviously, like, uh, cost of living is better. Um, things feel more genuine. Not that people really want something of you to profit. Maybe I don't know. That's could that make does that make sense actually? Yeah, I don't know. That makes a whole lot of sense to me. <laughs> but, Definitely, yeah. 
It does. It does. Clay, I, I want to ask you, like, you know, I know we've got into like um, a very rare and your breakdown of that, and you mentioned a few locations, and your accent, not to sound ignorant, is very like global. And as we're international podcast, people listening might not know where you're from or what country you're from. So can you just break that a bit about like where you're from in the world and where you were born and raised, and just uh, just add some context to the our global audience. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I've been. I'm born in Amsterdam, actually. Uh, I'm originally from Ghana, the best of go. the world. There we oh, go. Hey, <laughs> Thank you, good sir. Continue. Uh, Stephen, what are you saying about thing, that? I'm going to end this thing right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we'll take this offline. We'll take this offline. <laughs> I love the infighting. I love the infighting. Yeah, we, we can do That's a joke, man. But um, yeah, definitely. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, from, uh, I'm from Amsterdam, but... Um, I travel, yeah. I just travel. I travel a lot, um, and I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really. Um, I used to be in London like almost every month. So yeah, um, I think like the majority of my friends um, and people that has been on your show before, like, and we all yeah, know yeah, the yeah. same people. So uh, that's really, um, that's really nice. But I think that's I'm really appealed to London because for me it feels way more than. Yeah, it feels more fast paced, and I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm a city boy at first. So, yeah, yeah. What do, what do you no, think no. it is? Oh, sorry, cops gone. No, go, go, go. Do thing. No, no, no. Like you, you mentioned around, like um, you travel a lot. Uh, what do you think it is, Clay, about traveling that gives you? Because you're a very open minded guy. Like I remember when we first launched out of home, you were there, bro. Like from day one, New Year's party, you pulled up. Like you're just. From what I've seen, you like you embrace new things, and like you even spoke about, you know, finding those undiscovered talents almost in Marseille. Um, so you're like you're very open minded, and you really see things differently. Like, what do you think it is about traveling so frequently that gives you, you know, a certain type, certain type of perspective? I would say. Yeah, I I really love to absorb new energies from people and people that share their their experiences. Um, uh, their knowledge. I love to immerse myself with with stories and to hear people out, and I think that shapes me as well as a person. Um, and and that's what I love. You know, I, I love being around uh, different cultures or like religions as well. You know, like it's really. So, I think that's that's where you really get to know a person and really understand someone's value and. I think um, we live in a society where we don't do that often, you know? So, um, yeah, that's something, um, I think that's the reason why I really love traveling. So, like, personally, I really struggled not being able to do that during the Trust pandemic. Me, Trust me, fam. So, uh, so yeah. And uh, and that's that's the only thing that feels real in the, in the whole thing that I'm doing, you know, because, like, being, working in digital uh, or, like, you know, like, content, nothing is really tangible you know so um yeah like st- work, working with people that's definitely something that i love to do and uh yeah yeah and you you've obviously sort of um i guess transitioned from like um founder of this agency to like you know being able to exercise creativity but now you're i guess you're like more not higher up but you're kind of like pulling the strings to make sure everyone's doing what they got to do and is in the right place. Like, where do you kind of see yourself going next and how do you see things developing? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I think I think uh, owning the narrative, I would say. I, I think it's time to tell our own stories. Um, I think it's time for Very Rare to not only do tell stories of the brands, but also tell our own stories, you know? So we're working on, on some stuff uh, that's coming out soon. We've already been doing it, you know, like um, making episodes about creatives and stuff. And I think, I think that's where you can extend the story basically, because like telling something for a brand is always, it's always shaped around the product at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. um, there's more to say and it's more to feel. And I think, we have to head more in that direction. Um, so yeah, and like keep telling stories that needs to be told by us, you know, at first, like if it's about us, we need to, it needs to be told by us. So that's, uh, that's, I think those, those are the traits that I want to keep pursuing this. Uh, yeah. In about five years. Um, I yeah. I love that. So um, you just spoke about yourself, like from a future perspective, Claire. But obviously, you still got to keep keep the money coming in. Um, what do you think the the future for brand of brands are in that space? Like, what do you think the future of advertising is in the next few years? Um, given that we're in this position that we're in right now, as well. Yeah, good question. Um, I think at some point you cannot they cannot stick behind. It's like, it's like when 4G came out, like there were people saying like, yeah, like, you know, like, why would I need this? You know, like, mm. you know, like, why would I need a website? Why would I need a, an Instagram channel? Like things are moving. You don't have to do everything. You don't need to create the very next day a TikTok to stay on top of uh, your, uh, your game or something. But I think you need to be really listening to, uh, to your audience and, um, and it's nice for brands to like if stories has are being told by the audience. I'm I'm a real uh, fan of Daily Paper, for example, mm-hmm. how they doing it, and it feels really genuine. It feels like they're really representing the culture, but the culture is also part of the brand. Mm-hmm. I think it's a two way street, and um, I think that there are brands that that does that one way street, just trying to scream and buy now and swipe through and swipe up. I think it's getting tired, man. There's not many brands uh, that are that really, really, really doing it well. I think Daily Paper and like Jordan brands, for example, they're really interesting. Um, yeah, just by the product will sell itself, you know. Mm-hmm. So you're also, you're basically saying that like brands need to tap in more to community and like listen to their audiences a little bit more. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Instead of screaming. Yeah. Uh, your product out there and trying to force it to people people that troll basically you know like I think yeah. I think definitely listen to your community what, what do they have to say like they're, they're the ones that wearing it you know so yeah. it's funny bro because like I have these conversations quite regularly about like should we be focusing more on the product should we be trying to add content into the world and my, my thing is that I feel like we need to if you if you got a brand that's established, people are going to buy them regardless, isn't it? So yeah. what you need to do now is to see what you can do in those communities, or just make your brand wavy, isn't it? Like make people want to buy your brand. People are always going to buy it, but what else are you going to give for people to stay with it and to interact with it and to and you know be people feel like they want to be part of it? 
And you mentioned Daily Paper, and I think they're a sick example because people... It's a movement, isn't it? It's not a clothing line. It's, exactly. it's, just, it's a movement. And I think those are the brands of the future for me, like the ones that are able to connect with culture, but also create some sort of community where people feel part of something. Um, so, yeah. You're totally right. Those, if, Especially Daily Paper, if you look at them, those were the brands that that's a brand that never works with the same budget as the bigger, bigger, bigger brands, but they don't even have to, you know? And those are, those are, that's a brand where all these big companies or big agencies never looked at, you know, because they, they really saw them as a small fish. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, now times has, times has changed. And trust me, I know that daily paper is in the, in the deck of best example of many brands that we are wearing today. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, internally. So, mm. um, yeah, that's that. That just tells that like culture and like listening to your community and uh, um, shaping shaping your brand by community by your community really uh, is really interesting. You know, yeah. Oh, it's so yeah. true, man. And like even what you said earlier about um, sort of owning the narrative. You're definitely someone who is has been doing that for a very long time, and you're placed in a very um, fortunate position that you know a lot of kids maybe aren't even aware that this this role exists or this this space exists, and I just I just want to shout you out because you're using this platform very responsibly. You know, like you're creating dope content, but you're also holding institutions and like museums, for example, accountable, right? So yes. I think in terms Definitely. of owning the narrative, you're 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 smashing it, bro. And by the sounds of it, there's more to come. So I just wanted to shout you out and thank yeah. you, man. Thank you, up, man. man. Thank you very much. Nah, man, Clay, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Um, as 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 Yaf has eloquently said already, like you are actually doing some shit in 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 the in the industry and in, in the worlds and the paths in which we move in and changing it. You know, but you're doing the things that we want to do ourselves. So more power to you. Um, so yeah, just want to say thank you. Um, you've been listening to the Out of Home podcast with your boys, Kieran, Yaf, Stephen, Kwame. And the one and only Clay from Very Rare. Take Thank you, guys. Yes. Jalof battle soon, okay? I'm ready. I'm ready. I've been whipping. I've been cooking. Hey, do you trust you, Clay? Do you trust uh, Ghanaian, uh, um, Nigerian Jalof? Yeah. You know, I had it a few times, but I don't know what. I don't know. <laughs> I'm decided. There's just something. Like, oh, that's yeah. it. I don't know. Men sounding like I had it. Bro. You London boys are crazy. Hey, come on. Hey, folks. I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 